Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi all and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United, sponsored by Dirty South Soccer. Like Brad Guzan, we're not letting anything get past us this time, Joe Patrick. Not a single thing. I'm Jason I'm Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is over there. Say hey, Joe. Well done. Well done. I like it. Oh, I like thank it. You. Thank you very much. It's uh, very on brand to me, I think. Very mm-hmm. on brand. Mm-hmm. On brand for NYCFC, they came up against a team on a really, really tiny futsal field and kind of took it to them a little bit. A tiny, slippery futsal field. Yeah. Did you notice how many people were falling all over the place? I it was did, crazy. I did. I almost made a joke about, like, I think I was going to say something about Aaron Judge tearing his ACL in the outfield <laughs> and how it hasn't happened yet with this terrible field, but it sounded a little hacky. And saying it out loud, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> but it's something that definitely crossed my mind. There were a ton of people who were just slipping and sliding all over the place yesterday. Uh, not saying that's why we didn't win, but, uh, you know, it could be. Very well could be. Or you also, know, it could be the fact that we got outshot twenty five to six. It's it's whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's that's a that's a small, small, you know, small side item there. The fact that we were outshot twenty five to six, ten to two on target, thirteen to one on corners. Jeez. <laughs> thirteen to one on corners. We had thirty nine percent possession. Our passing accuracy was sixty seven percent. That is awful. That is Good so Lord. bad. That's Stoke City. My gosh, that's miserable. It was a miserable kind of game, even though we did escape with a point, which admittedly was hilarious. Uh, incredible, incredible point for us, all things considered. Uh, going to the place where NYCFC was uh, undefeated and undrawless or something like that. They had won Unble- every game. Unblemished. Unblemished. Very nice, very nice. Uh, 6-0-0 record before this, now it's 6-1-0. In your face, New York. We did it. We did it. Uh, this one starts with the first half that didn't have a whole lot go down. Uh, a few shots for both sides, nothing super great as far as I can really remember. It was all kind of a yeah. blur. That was well played for the most part, besides the effects of the the tiny field. I think, but yeah, I remember the the, the first half seemed like a pretty even battle. Um, it wasn't really until like the 60th minute where things started to really go downhill for us. I feel like. Um, the one thing that just sticks in my craw is, I, and I'm sorry about for like you know ref blaming or whatever, but there was one amazing play by Ezekiel Barco right at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been the last kick of the ball for us. It would have been a free kick from right outside the box. He had a a great little roulette, I think is what they call it in um, in FIFA or whatever. But you know, just like that spin on the ball, and I forget what New York City defender it was, but just plowed right into him and no call um you know those little things those little things are things that could change games um but you know it's just the way things go and uh yeah it was just it was a good performance from us for the first half but we just couldn't sustain that yeah no definitely couldn't sustain it at least we came out of the locker room looking somewhat up for the fight in the 48th minute three minutes after we came out of the locker room a gorgeous cross from Julian Gressel from the right wing that's maybe the best ball he's ever played 
in his entire life, and he's probably played about 400 crosses this season alone. This one was the best. This one was the best out of all of them. Out of all of them. The shiniest snowflake in all the land of millions and millions of different Julian Gressel cross snowflakes. 40th minute, cross comes in, skips over the head of a couple NYC defenders. It's just so well placed. Uh, the center backs are tracking back. Gets all the way to Joseph Martinez, who is a stunning finish. It really is, even though the ball was so, so impressive. Yeah. Um, go look. I, I posted this video in uh, my Five Thoughts column that, that published Sunday, Sunday morning. Um, that ball from Gressel looks just like a David Beckham, um, like one of his best passes ever when he was at Real Madrid. Uh, he had like a great assist to, to Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo. Um it's like so reminiscent, and I think like sometimes we take Julian Gressel for granted a bit, and it's funny because he's not like a super well-rounded player, um, you know, where like David Beckham, obviously he was famous for having his cultured right foot, but he could also do a lot of other things. Um, Julian Gressel maybe a little more like one-dimensional in just like that, like giving that service from the right side is what he does, like he's not a central player, he's not going to like, you know, be good in tight spaces or anything like that. But, man, what he does well, like, honestly, he does it better than some of the best in the world. Like, he is that good at that skill. It's unbelievable. That one, that one, essentially, that one especially. That one especially. I don't know yeah. about a, on a consistent basis, but he has those flashes in him to where he obviously can uh, show up and, and do something extremely, extremely special. This was special. It gave us a one-to-nothing lead. And go ahead. I th- well, I think part of it is just he has, like, the vision for it, you know, like he, um, there are a lot of players that wouldn't even have seen that pass to Joseph that, that he hit there. Um, so I think a lot of it is like, he believes in his own ability to put that ball in and therefore he's kind of able to like see those opportunities when they present themselves. Like you said, that was the best one that he's had. Um, and to be honest, I would, (laughs) I would prefer if he didn't cross as much, but um, but in those opportunities, I love those balls that are kind of like they're whipping, but they're also moving forward. Those are really hard balls for the defenders to to deal with. I don't necessarily disagree with you about the vision, but it's just hard for me to reckon with that as being this, this great skill when he's throwing so much against the wall so often. I guess, you know, if you throw something so much against the wall, eventually one thing is going to stick. And I'm not sure if this was a case of incredible vision or him just doing what he knows how to do and maybe getting, you know, a little lucky, I guess. It was an interesting decision, at least. But he pulled it off. He pulled it off. I I may be just being curmudgeon well, here. No, no. I mean, like, I, I think there's a difference. And I'm, I'm kind of glad we're having this conversation because I think there's a difference in, like, a typical cross. And, like, I I think I said it in the writer's room when it happened or after it happened is that, like I don't even consider this a cross. Like it's not a cross. It's like a, it's like a through ball essentially. Like a, like an over the top through ball, but it has whip on it and it allows you know it has like curl. Um, it's just it's just like a, like a very very delicately placed ball. And he's talked about um, in the locker room. Jo- Julian Gressel has said you know his connection with Joseph is he wants to get the ball to Joseph as early as possible. So Joseph might be running. He, he Joseph doesn't want to wait for Gressel to get all the way up the line before he sends it into him. He wants to get that ball early. And I think that, that it makes it harder for defenders to deal with Joseph. And you have to give Joseph a lot of credit too for the way he the way he finished it and the way he kind of ghosted in behind those the central defender. I can't remember if it was Collins or uh 
I don't even know, remember who the other center back was, but um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like <laughs> if those things happened every time he set a ball in, we'd be, you know, we'd have scored 400 goals this year. Um, crosses are scored like what? 2% of the time they're right. served, they're, they're delivered in. So it's not like a, something you want to be going back to again and again and again. Um, but you know, it's, it's the best skill that he has. And um, every once in a while, every, every, maybe once a game, you know, he's going to put in a ball like similar to that, you know, that creates a, a decent chance a good, or to a good chance. Well, this one pays off at the very least. Joseph Martinez makes it one, nothing with an excellent header in to the right corner. From that point on, uh, very much all NYC FC shot after shot, after shot, after shot, after shot. We could go all the way up to 25 towards Brad Guzan, Guzan, whatever. I don't care. You know, if y'all haven't <laughs> dealt and reckoned with the fact that I can't say these names ever because I was born and raised uh, below the Nat line here in Georgia, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just going to have to deal with it. Okay. Just saying, just saying that's my, that's my soapbox for the day. In do you have like a way you say it or do you, do you change it up? Oh, I change it up me, all the time. It, it, yeah. Same, it, it same here. Regularly. It, it, yeah. <laughs> like even like if you're like in the middle of doing that big, tall mother bleeping wall chant, I will change the Brad Guzan, Brad Guzan, like, and it'll change to Brad Guzan the next time. It just, it's just yeah, how yeah. it rolls. Same in here. Just it's just how like how I'm feeling. Yeah. Spont- totally spontaneous. Don't add us. Don't add us. <laughs> he was great, though. He no, was great. no one's innocent saying his name. No, no one's innocent. No. Ye who has never mispronounced Brad Guzan cast the first stone. I do love I do love the way that the uh, the club touts the uh, the franchise records. You know, he had a franchise <laughs> record amount of saves in this game, which is like you know the franchise has been around for less than two <laughs> one season and a half. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just broke the H data record for saying Brad Guzan's name in the span of like a minute there. <laughs> so you know what, get on my level and write hey, it down. He, he hasn't. He hasn't gotten enough love, um, especially on our podcast or our our H Dead. Sorry, keep the brand brand. brand. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad we get to talk about him a little bit. Yeah, it's the perfect game. To talk He's pretty about much the only just... person we get to talk about, right? <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, but he was excellent. Keeps NYCFC off the board for an extended period of time after the Martinez goal, which again came in the 48th minute. And after that, all NYCFC, the post helps us out a couple times as well, but NYCFC finally breaks through off a corner in the 77th minute, flicked on by a couple folks, and Alexander Callens puts it in off a essentially a diving kind of header thing that was right next to the box. Nothing really Gazan could do about it. Yeah. There were like just bodies flying everywhere. Yes, it was mass <laughs> It was carnage. literally just like it was just pray and hope that the ball doesn't go in and hits the post again. But uh it did. It did. It certainly wasn't undeserved at that point. I, I think I said earlier that I couldn't remember any great chances in the first half, and that's because I blocked most of them out because most of the really great chances, I think, were in ICFCs. I remember at one point it was Parkhurst who had his pocket picked. I can't remember who took it off him, but they should have scored. Oh, it was Morales. It was Maxi. Maxi mm-hmm. takes the ball. Uh, Brad Gazan comes out and is able to shut him down one-on-one and probably his best play that was huge. of the whole day. Yeah. There's no yeah. reason that it shouldn't have been one nothing at that point in YCFC. Yeah. I remember saying, you know, at one point during the match on Twitter that Brad Guzan, you know, Brad Guzan is the man of the match. He's made two or three um, game-saving or, or goal-saving, you know, plays or saves. Because so I don't know how you quite categorize that one. Like, it wasn't like Morales never got the shot off, but it was a clear chance. Uh, Guzan just kind of took it off his foot. But then it was funny because after I said that, 
then there was like four more right <laughs> uh, <laughs> um chances that nycfc should have buried um but you know xan stood on his head so crazy did craziness enough. did enough it was somehow it was just so panicked towards you know those last especially the last like 10 minutes but yeah. the entire last half hour was just it was insane i don't know like we've seen us bunker this year in the second half at times um i don't think we've seen anything like that like that kind of onslaught against us well we did enough maybe minnesota with the point one one final there going back to the to the bunkering thing you were just mentioning an interesting point from josh bagriansky of Mounds of the South that he made that when Miggy came off in the 45th minute, we didn't mention that in the recap part of that, but looked to have some issues with his shoulder on a fall, I believe, at one point. Was he tackled mm-hmm. when he fell like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was It was like really early in the game, maybe like the sixth minute right. or something. Uh, yeah, tackled. And, it was yeah, it wasn't the tackle at all. It was just the way he tried to brace his fall, you know. And uh, it didn't look that bad to, to me, to be honest, um, on replay. But... Um, but no, yeah, and, obviously, and, and obviously to his credit, he played 39 more minutes after that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Which I kind of wanted him to come out right away. As soon as you could see him, like, kind of jogging around and still holding his arm in that um, supportive position, I just wanted him to come off immediately. But at least you could you could see when he was playing, he was guarding himself. He was not going full bore into challenges. He was kind of making sure he was not going to ground. I don't think he did um, hit the ground again in the, in the half. He... He got rid of the ball, you know, plenty early before challenges came in on him. So he kind of managed it. But, um, yeah, I was glad that he didn't, you know, aggravate any further because those shoulder injuries are notorious for, you know, re-aggravation and, right. um, and aggravating Hi, it to, to a further extent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, there, were, so, there were a couple of times yesterday where it was concerning to see Joseph go down at one point. We thought Joseph might have, you know, done something to – his back ankle or his heel or his Achilles or whatever, when he got stepped on at one point, he was down for a moment. And I think Parkhurst was down for a second, too, uh, towards the end yeah. of the game. So yeah, there were a he received times treatment on the field. Was uh, in your throat, mm-hmm. in your throat mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and that's a tough I mean, we, we'll have to keep an eye on Parkhurst because Parkhurst can have some, like, sneaky injuries like that. Um, he had one last year, at the end of last year, where he got hurt in a game, was able to finish out the game, I believe, but then missed. He did not start for that Columbus, the game in that shall not be named, um, in the playoffs. I guess I just named it. Uh, <laughs> he didn't start. He came into that game right. as a sub. Um, but he did not start. Yeah, I don't know what's at center so, back. McCann, a defensive mid. Please kill me. <laughs> so or you never know. He may. Back. I don't know. He may have just been able to gut out. You know that that game. Um, but you know it's a quick turnaround here with uh, Columbus coming up on Wednesday. So. Hopefully he can play. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what changes they end but up making with that Columbus I, I, game too. Going back to Almiron, I, I did want to add. I think Josh is right in that. Obviously, we we missed him dearly when he when he left the game. Um, but I really think we missed him. You know, we missed his work rate. I think that was Josh's point. Was that you know he does so much defensive work. Um, we kind of missed that. But I think we also missed him in those final 20, 15 minutes of the game where we were having so many problems uh, trying to get the ball out of our own defensive third. And he's so good at taking it with his feet and literally carrying the ball all the way downfield. Yeah. Like he'll run in, it's almost like, um, Almiron will almost do like a, it's almost like a punter in football where it's like he, he will <laughs> run down the field with the ball like into the corner. But at least by doing that, he's kind of getting it out and relieving the pressure from the team and we can kind of reestablish the game 
further away from our own goal in the middle of the field, and we just weren't able to do that in this game. Alabama won the Dead Gum National Championship two the last three years with J.K. <laughs> Scott at punter. Right. I'm just saying. That's right. I'm just saying. You need a punter yep. sometimes. You need a punter. Yeah. Even yep. if, uh, you know. But we just needed someone to be able to relieve that pressure like right. that and just couldn't get it. Couldn't couldn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. Things made difficult, of course, by the tiny pitch. And maybe we might have made something, some things more difficult on ourselves. And this is what I want to get into. And it's not going to be a fun conversation, Joe Patrick. It's going to be a stern little sit down, I think, oh, we're going to have with like... the team here. Am I going to be grounded at the end? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll just have to find out. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. No, it's – uh, and we're, we're obviously biased because we've been pushing this for the last – I don't know. How many episodes of this podcast have we done? This HDAT? Um, episodes. Episodes. Like, 20, like 25. Three. Something like that. So yeah, for like, like that. I want to say like 20 of them we've been like, well, looks like we're going back to 4-3-3 this week. <laughs> Fire it up. Here it comes. <laughs> Look Guaranteed. And then it just doesn't happen. Uh, this might have been the game where that was the most frustrating, at least for me. At least for me. And a large part of that comes from with the 3-5-2 and watching folks like Gressel, who eventually ended up with, with some space and was able to play, of course, that great ball in, Joe Martinez. But just seeing how constricted everything was. And we're trying to play the ball out the back to the wings at the the wing back and they're you know five feet from the third center back from the outside center back you know it seems yeah. and i am not a tactician we have talked about this i like to do the journalism thing and i like to do the stats thing tactician stuff is is not my alley that's why you're here joe patrick but even still i can look at that and go this is probably not how we wanted to come out this is probably not how it should be working yeah. And and I think the frustrating part of it, one of the most frustrating parts of it is, is that like this team, those 11 players that were out on the field are perfectly capable of playing in a 4-2-3-1 like that. They're like almost naturally suited to play in a 4-2-3-1. Mm-hmm. You play Escobar right back, which is what he, the kind of the position he was brought into play. Right. And he had a great run too going Gressel, forward. He's not bad going forward. Gressel can play right wing, and if anything, at Gressel at right wing, you're getting the optimum Julian Gressel. You're getting all of the, you know, Uber what he Gressel. provides offensively. Yeah. What's that? Uber Gressel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you get everything that he provides offensively. Um, and Barco was a left winger, at left wing and right winger at Independiente. Mm-hmm. He's, he's accustomed to playing there, and, and obviously we know what Miguel Amaron and, and, well, Joseph's position wouldn't change, but, you know, Almiron being kind of that link from from the midfield to Joseph, bringing the ball to him and, and distributing, um, it just seems like such a natural fit. And and the reasons aren't offensive. Like it's not like the change means. Um, well, I think the knock on effect would mean that we have more shots and we have more possession, that kind of thing. But it's mainly like a defensive principle. It's like we need to be in a more. We need to have those wingers further up the field so that we can impose ourselves on the game so that we can we can jump on nycfc defenders as soon as they get the ball we can kind of have guys closer to them to be able to press them and try to win the ball back and instead we just invite it onto us so much it 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 becomes very frustrating and then like you said when we have the ball it it can get very bogged down and um just like needlessly tedious yes and that's a, a big thing we talked about with the preview HDAD we did for this one was what's the blueprint for beating NYFC? You look at a team who's beat them 4 nothing, 
the last two times in New York Red Bulls, who's gone direct every time they get the ball, who's pressed the living hell out of them. And we went away from that. We went away from every part of that. And that was extremely frustrating to, to, to be able to look at what other teams have done and to see us take nothing from that, I guess. Yeah, I, I talked to Sal Zizzo uh, in training uh, the day before the game. Um, and, yeah, he said, you know, he played with the Red Bulls, um, asked why they had had so much success. And he just said that, you know, well, we, t- we were actually t- we were talking about the pitch and how that changes things. He's like, yeah, I remember when we were playing with the Red Bulls, you know, lots of times we would just kind of change our change our normal thing and say, you know, we got to we had to play it a little more direct today. You know, we just got to like just hit the ball up to the forwards, basically. Um, the pitch kind of lends itself to that kind of style, and maybe Tata's just you know rigid in his beliefs and that he doesn't want to change to do that. Which you know, fair play or whatever. But it you know, if we're going to we we we've kind of referred to or implied that Tata has been a pragmatist this year by sticking with the 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. But I would have thought the most pragmatic decision would have been to play more direct, play more oppressive, uh, pressing, appre- uh, aggressive approach. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. And I think we especially, and he, and he mentioned this in the postgame quotes as well, that after Joseph's goal, we just dropped off. We just dropped off. There was what, what pressure we did have was non-existent at that point. And they took it to us. They took it to us. Y'all, we should have lost. We should have lost. Like 4-1. Yes, it could have been so, so bad. They hit the post at least three times on on yeah. close-range chances. It could have it been reminded, so bad. It, you know, should it reminded me also of what Parker said after the Philadelphia game where he talked about how, you know, they were talking about um, why it took so long for them to get the breakthrough. And Parker said, you know, it's just one of those things where – Something happens in the game. In that case, it was the two red cards. In this case, it was Atlanta's goal. And then it's like people kind of, the players kind of switch off a little bit or just kind of like, you know, assume somebody else is going to make something happen. Um, just ass- just assume that, like, everything's going to be okay and that, and that they don't have to um, be brave, essentially. That's mm-hmm. like how um, my favorite... Manager Mauricio Pochettino always describes like as like him? being brave. I, I do, uh. I do enjoy Mauricio Pochettino. Uh. I do, um, but he talks about being brave, and you know, I feel like it's in these in these moments we haven't had enough like bravery. I th- I think um, you know, like Miguel is one of the people who exhibits that kind of character the most in the moments that I talked about earlier when he will just get on the ball and kind of drive the team downfield by just car- by just dribbling past, running past everybody. Um, we just didn't have anyone that had that in them today in, or yesterday. Yeah. No, we just frustrating all around, frustrating all around for, for a lot of reasons. But goodness is we got a point. We got a point, which is yeah. huge, which is huge. And I was laughing about point. it because it was so ridiculous that we came up with any kind of result at all with it, with one, the way we played with everything else going on. It seems kind of hilarious that, we even were able to do that. And it, one of the funniest parts of it was coming into this game, and we had talked about it a little bit, was that New York City had come in the exact opposite of us as far as quote-unquote finishing goes. Uh, their expected goals compared to their actual goals for was way, way uh, below mm-hmm. uh, what, what you would think it would be. Or yeah. They were scoring a lot Basically more than they were statistically supposed to be scoring. 
And I right. kept making the joke over and over again, and no one else thought it was as funny as I did because, you know, there are like five people who care about this stuff in the entire world, it seems like. But it was like we were watching the regression to their actual expected goals, like in real time. <laughs> yeah. In real time. And it was hilarious. I would love, I'm going to love to look at the difference in what it actually is now after yesterday because they were just banging their heads against a wall for a little while there. And it was the exact opposite of what our issues have been, it seemed like. Yeah, I think they're. I think their expected goals ended up to be. It was actually kind of low. Like it was like two and a half, two point five, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that includes the one where Morales was in on a one on one, and Guzan had the miracles. Um, you know, deflection taken taken off his foot. Right. Um, that doesn't show up there. Just a lot of their close calls don't quite don't quite show up there. But yeah, it, it was it was incredible, and we overperformed. Great finishing by us with the uh, one goal against our. Point two nine <laughs> XG, yeah, which is so go go Atlanta United, yeah. Gosh, was not quality at all, at all. But it's a big point on the road in the toughest stretch of games. This I do want to say, you know, us kind of complaining, criticizing the team for the performance should not take away from um, the fact of how important the result is for sure. Uh, because it basically means that we're now level on points um, with NYCFC for the season. Like that, that, this is the last game we'll play against them, which is kind of relieving, uh, considering that you know they're one of the top contenders for Supporter Shield, and then dub- it's almost doubly so for us because they are our contender for uh, Concacaf Champions League qualification. If none of us win win a trophy, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's it, it's huge not to have dropped points. And I remember. Um, the game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, people were calling it drop points, drop points by us. Um, Ring had that amazing goal at the end and um, basically saying that, you know, New York City FC had, sal- had, had basically, you know, got a miracle result and that we, d- we deserve three points and we, lo- we dropped those points. If you're going to say that, then this, this is points gained. Like, you cannot argue that we, we should have gone into this game and come out with more than what we did. In fact, the, after seeing how it played out, we should have obviously come out with less. But um, yeah, it's just huge to be break even with them. No blood on the season. Yep, we're still in first supporter shield, uh, first in the Eastern Conference. Two points per game, which is an excellent, excellent pace. They're trailing a little bit behind that now. Uh, we stay out in front of of Kansas City and in Dallas now too in the Western Conference. Uh, Dallas gets another big result. They keep climbing up the ladder. They're now tied for first in the Western Conference. Uh, first in points per game now in the entire league as well. So Dallas somehow, I don't even know how this has happened, but Dallas is there. But it's a, it's just a big, big result and an undeserved one. <laughs> but hey. Do you know you know what stat we are uh, worse in this year than last year? What's that? Expected fun. Yeah. That's a bummer. We're winning. We're though. less fun this year. We are. Isn't we're, fun, we're, Joe? Our results are better. Our results are better, and somehow it's less fun. It, it's not like okay. I, <laughs> people people will overreact at to that. J. A. Patrick two hundred. <laughs> people will overreact to that. I'm not trying to complain that this. Yeah, you know, obviously this team is amazing, but I just wish the style of play would t- be tweaked a bit. I think that would be nice. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. The the aesthetics of it have not been phenomenal so far this year, which is something which is one of the reasons we brought in Tata in the first place. And, you know, you kinda of feel bad for Tata is having to to go away from his heart. He's not he's not he's not keeping his heart. 
he's not keeping his heart so far this year, and it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. Yeah. He is killing the style game right now, though. He keeps going back to the pullover <laughs> yeah. with the with the uh, the loop around the neck. It's very yeah. '80s movie villain, and that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. The trip, the uh, Teen movie the, villain, the, I guess. the penny was amazing. <laughs> he he killed that as well. He killed that as well. Gosh. <laughs> So, so good. The highlight of the day, honestly. Honestly. Uh, it was. You guys had questions about this one, of course. Uh, it kind of touches a lot on what we've already kind of talked about, though, because everyone's kind of saying the same kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, Gabriel J. Gonzalez at Gabe J. Gonzalez 25 asks, can you guys let Tata know that I'll give up my firstborn child's revert back to the 433? Um, and, yeah, yeah, well, I'll, we'll let him know. We'll pass it along. But he isn't listening to us either, Gabe, so. You know, what What else can we do at this point? An interesting point here from Brent Crawford at Five Stripe 17. He asked, when did we forget how to play out of the back? And I don't think it's necessarily that if we're just basing it on yesterday. I don't think we've, we've forgotten how to do that. It's just everything was so constricted yesterday. It was almost impossible to get anything going. Yeah, it's always going to – sorry sorry to talk over you. It's, it's always going to be harder to play out of the back in that stadium, which is why, you know, you kind of want more passing options going forward and be and just to be able to play it more directly but i don't think it's a problem yeah. i don't think it's something you need to be consistently work, look, looking after i guess the next few games yeah it's just kind of a we'll always, deal. We'll, yeah we, we, we will typically be be better at that than our opponent i would agree i would agree this one from zachary san martin at san zachary he asks is atlanta united too defensive when leading both games versus new york we have ceded possession and allowed nycfc to play their game New York Red Bulls pressed them to death twice, so would that be a better strategy? And we've discussed this. The answer is yes. The answer mm-hmm. is yes. That would probably have been better. We're not Tata, though. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, a world-class manager. But it seems pretty apparent that it would have been better to, to not lay off the gas and let NYCFC just come straight at us like they did. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to pull – I pulled a, a Parker's quote because he kind of spoke right to this. Um this is Doug Roberson from the AJC was uh, obviously there at the game, and he asked basically why they couldn't get out, why they couldn't get out of their own half um, towards the end of the game. Michael Parker says, "Quote: The five of us in the back, we were in one line. Defensive midfielder Jeff and sometimes Darlington were pinned deep with runners. So when we did get the ball, it was just Joseph and Romario up there by themselves." And when they couldn't hold it for us, it just came straight back down. That happened a lot, and we weren't giving them good service either. We were just dumping it up there. And any time we could – we were just dumping it up there anytime we could, and they're battling the best they can, but we need to do a better job of seeing games out. And I think that this kind of speaks to this whole structure that we've been talking about is that there was just – well, <laughs> there was a lack of it, yes. for one. Like, there was just like – yeah, like, just as Parker said, it was just Romario and Joseph up there. And Atlanta's only chance to keep the ball was for them to have like some sort of amazing. First of all, for the ball to somehow miraculously land at one of them's feet, and then once that happens, for them to kind of be able to somehow have some interplay and be able to relieve, you know, find some space to to relieve the the possession. So it's just it's frustrating. It, it was frustrating. I think it was frustrating for the fans as, as we've heard. And I think it was just, just as frustrating for the players and it's got, had to have been frustrating for Tata to see that happen. But, you know, obviously his hand was forced a little bit with losing Almiron early in the game. And then, um, once they were in the four, four, two, I don't think, you know, they, he couldn't make a change to get them out of that. You couldn't really take Joseph off at that point. So, 
Um, yeah, it was just frustrating, and and uh, you know maybe the the good news is that they they can they can learn some things from this game and kind of understand uh, where they can improve in areas, and it all happened while they still were able to to get a point. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Just talking about how important a point was in this stretch, which is very, very difficult coming up. Of course, NYCFC, then Columbus Wednesday, Portland in a few weeks at home, Orlando City, and then Dallas, who, again, is leading MLS in points per game right now. If you were to take a point on each of those three road games and then win the two others at home, you would you would take that in a heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you take it in a heartbeat. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. Don't don't freak out, everyone. Don't freak out. I feel like that's our job on this H dad is to just make sure everyone doesn't freak out too much. Is as grumpy as we have been today. I think about it. Well, again, it's like you know that's the thing is we can be happy with where we are in the table. Obviously, we're in first place. Can't be any better than that. Um, it's just a little worrying to me that we just kind of are starting to feel the same way and hear the same things from the team, from the players and the coaches after every game. Well, not after every game, but the last few games, you know, where they're just kind of frustrated that things could have gone better. Um, and obviously this one was, was a little worse than, than they have been in the past, but it's a little worrying when this stuff starts to become a trend. Yeah. I'd agree. I'd agree. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna freak out though. I'm not freaking out, Joe. I'm not. (laughs) Well, hopefully when Tito comes back, things will things will change up. That will give us a nice spark and just hope it happens sooner rather than later. I would not expect it for Wednesday. I don't think if he didn't play in this game, I kind of doubt that he plays for Columbus. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's, they're not staying out. They're, they they flew back to Atlanta. So Really? Um, yeah, I, I kind of assume they would have just stayed out of town. For all we know, you have to connect from, from what Atlanta, I've heard, so. From what I've heard, they – yeah. From what I heard, they came back. So they, they'll they come back, they'll do one day of basically regeneration, recuperation, and then fly right back out. I don't even know if they're training here. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, hopefully is included in that in, in some way. At least just get him 15, 20 minutes, something. Something, because we miss you, Tito. And we love you. And we want you to come <laughs> home. And if you're out there right now, just know we, we care about you very, very much. Very much. All right, Joe. I'm annoyed talking about this game. Let's move on to our Lorenowitz man of the night. Did you have one? Did you have anything here? I do. Okay. I do have a Lorenowitz man of the night, and that man is Michael Parkhurst, okay. who had 10 clearances, the fourth highest in a single game this season in MLS. Very nice. And did you know Parkhurst has two of those of the top four now? Wow. He has the most of, of uh, he has the a game with the most clearances, uh, more clearances than any other player in MLS this season, which was against Minnesota when they sent in all 50 of their crosses. <laughs> and, and Parkhurst had 17 clearances. Besides the one mistake with Morales, he was very good, I thought. I thought he was very solid. especially. Yeah, he did make that mistake, didn't he? Yeah, but he if you exclude of, that, he, kind of... he made a few plays that ended up saving <laughs> uh, a few goals. So it bounces out, right? Bounces out. My Lorenzo's man of the night, Joe Patrick, goes to the one and only Joseph Martinez. Joseph, of course, went down at one point with what looked like a heel injury. Fought through it, fought through it, and showed up all the Alpharetta dads who had been calling him not tough and calling him not a winner. 
not a not a not a Jimmy Chitwood type from Hoosiers. Goes out there <laughs> and talk still about, scores. Can we talk about how scary that was when he was down? There were bodies all over the place at one point. It was it was very very frightening, it, and that could you know any, any moment like that could potentially ruin your entire season. You just don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. After all the in, you know the injuries he had last year, he I thought he was seriously hurt. Like the thing I look for is players like looking really angry and frustrated when they're down like that. Um, he was like slamming, he was like pounding the ground with his fists. Mm-hmm. And to me that said like, he's mad cause he knows he just suffered an injury and it's going to keep him out again for a while. So I was very scared, but, uh, yeah, I wonder what it was because he came back and he just looked fine. So I, I don't <laughs> he may have just got cleated or something. Maybe just one I of those no those idea. ones that feel that seem scary. His foot kind of tw- it was like an ankle roll, but almost like the opposite of the way they normally roll. Like you know, normally the full the foot kind of rolls like in. Yeah. And then, but this one it was almost like it was like going out, which I don't actually. It, it's it, they look ter- terrifying, but I don't think they're as bad of an injury. I don't think it's as bad of a way to sprain your ankle. So. No. Either way, was he was maybe fine. something like that. He was fine. Scores a goal, gets the Lerner's Man Night, Lerner's Man of the Night award. His trophy is in the mail. Anything else? I really want to get to this quote tonight. Oh, do quote it. of the night because this is the best. Do it, do it. Uh, you want to take it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it was from Bragazan. He says, "We have to get pressure on the ball. We have to make sure that we close guys down. We need to have a stronger mentality when we're not in possession of the ball and how we're going to deal with it." You my boy, Brad. Brad you gets my boy. it. Brad gets it. Brad is secretly writing in his notebook every day. Man, I just, I just really miss the four three three. Sam and Joe are right. <laughs> what a great age, Dad. It's easy for Brad. He's not the one who's running around having to close people down. That's true. That's true. He can just sit there and yell at people. Yeah, of course, he, he had, very he had good to work that. a whole lot harder than he ever has. I think in Atlanta uniform uh, the other day, but it's all good. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for the shout out. Thanks for the low key sub talk there. Sub talk, yeah, that's what we said, right? That's that's what it's called, a sub talk. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, good looking out, Brad. Sub-talking. Good looking out, Brad. All right, that'll do it. That'll wrap it up. We'll try and get something to you of some sort for the Columbus preview. Maybe we'll definitely have a post game of some sort. Uh, we also will have something tacked on to the end of that. I think where it might just be me railing about Nigeria being the best team in the entire world, up the Super Eagles, Hell Nigeria, all that kind of thing. I got Nigeria in my World Cup. So I did one with my friends, and we did like a dra- a snake draft yeah. with some made up rules that we just made up. And anyway, I got I grabbed Nigeria with my third pick. Well, then you're so gonna win. Excited about that. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Congrats yeah. on picking the World Cup champions of 2018. Thank you. Thank you. Big moment. Big moment for you. Speaking of that, shout out to John Obi Mikhail. Shout out to Big Boy, and shout out to Lavar Burton. I know you're listening. Shout out to Jorge Thieler, shout out Justin Belhuis, and shout out all the new folks in the team communications who are handing me pieces of paper. Yeah. I don't know your names, but, you know, shout out. Mysterious stuff happening there. Mysterious. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like the change. I don't know if I like the change at all. Joe Patrick, never change. You never change. As long as you never change, we're going to be okay. We're going to be right. okay. Don't forget that, folks. We always have Joe, no matter what the outcome. All right, folks, that'll do it. Better wrap it up here for the Vibe Strike Final. We will be back with you soon. Bye, y'all. See ya.